You are now listening to Voices Rising Press Podcast. I'm Shelly. And I'm Sarah. We are two writers, mamas, and soul sisters who created this space for personal growth, fellow writers, and people who aspire to live an open-hearted, authentic life. Every Wednesday morning, we put out a new podcast episode and talk about life, parenting, writing, books, current events, upcoming publications. We interview fellow authors and so much more. We are more than just a publishing company. We strive to be a community of connected, creative, real people who speak our truth. We appreciate all of you listeners and are always looking for new suggestions and ideas. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Let us know more about what you are interested in hearing. Sarah's house and it is hot but there's beautiful birds chirping and some beautiful yellow flowers outside of the window yeah a little robin just came over it did yeah it's hot it's like my brain doesn't want to think properly today and that's okay sometimes that happens it's like the heat seizes everything up inside and you're like just take it a little bit slower the weird thing is, I think it was only a month ago we were like, oh, it's still snowing. And, and it's it was. still winter. <laughs> I know. It literally happened. And it kind of makes me really sad that in Estes Park, you don't really get a huge spring. Like spring is winter spring. Spring's like a week. Right. But down in the valley, Sarah and I went on a little camper trip. Was that last week together? Yeah. And it was hot as fuck. Oh my gosh, yes. There was a pool there, which was, that was Anna, saved our asses. the only salvation from the heat. Yes. And that's Fort Collins, and it's only like, what, an hour and 10 minutes down. It was North Fort Collins, and it is blazing hot. And yeah. up here, it's still, I mean, it's still bearable, so it's definitely not. Well, it's like 75 hot. versus 90. Yes. Yeah. And we'd have that cool mountain breeze, and we are... I, I know I'm getting used to, for the first time, not having air conditioning because I come from suburbia and I'm totally <laughs> yeah. spoiled and privileged to have, like, the temperate control, temperature control. Right. I know. We were, I took Cedar out for a little dinner date, me and her, and I'm sitting in there in the restaurant. It's just blazing Are you at hot. the Vietnamese place? The Thai place. Yes. Yes. We, Rex went to go office. pick up our food. I, we ordered that on my birthday. Because you were probably going next door no, to the other he one. Picked, we ordered that place and Rex oh, saw you. That's he was so like, funny. I saw Sarah and Cedar, but I didn't want to bug them. Uh, and I he thought, should have said hello. How funny that we were both eating. Yeah, that was, was funny. I love, we're just I love on the their same fried vibe. rice. We're on the same vibe. Even but it was so together. hot in there. And I was like sitting there <sighs> contemplating how in the mountains, like nobody's going to pay for the, an air conditioning system for like that one or two months of the year that you're kind of hot. Like it nobody. Well, my neighbors have AC actually. Yeah. They do. Well, some people for sure, but I think totally. the newer houses. Yeah. But yes. This house is old. My house is old. <laughs> we were actually talking about getting a whole house fan and it will drop all the cool air out of the basement and then it will push it out. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be very energy efficient and lovely. So, other than summer. Other than summer. <laughs> We are going to talk about um, we were going to talk about writing, healing, and vulnerability today, mm-hmm. and how those three kind of circle around in with each other, kind of this odd dance, I would right. say. It is an odd dance. So the act of vulnerability in is pretty much part of writing. I feel. I mean, if you're not being vulnerable, are you really a good writer? Right. Unless, I guess, you're a fiction writer. Then you don't have to be as vulnerable. You can be very... Well, I guess you do have to be vulnerable. I still think you have to have some vulnerability in your writing. Yeah, it's true. Um, Maybe, like, textbook, scientific fact writing. I'm thinking of, like, sci-fi, like, Star Wars-y things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but still do. Well, in our line of work, we have to be. And I feel like a good question to ask is, like, what does it mean to be vulnerable? Sure, yeah. What's the, like, what does it mean to you? Right. Well, and I feel like my perception has definitely shifted over the years. It's like, for me, vulnerability is being myself and exposing all of my hurts and allowing myself to experience all of my emotions Mm -hmm. and not shoving them down. And, yeah, just showing up. That's what, I mean, I, for me, I would say showing up for the truth in every moment. 
Yeah. And being wide open to it and not, like you said, not shutting down, not turning away from it. And not like wearing that mask. Right? And being open to others seeing it as well, not hiding it from other people. One, I feel like I struggle with people who are not authentic, people who are just like very trapped in the veil and the delusion of the mind. That it's really hard for me the older I get. I just had my 38th birthday this last Thursday, and I really struggle with people who are not authentic and people who lie, especially like my immediate family. Like, it really is a huge trigger for me, and I yeah. don't want people like that in my life. Like, the older I get, me being vulnerable is embracing that I don't like to be around certain people and that I am okay with that. It actually is healing to me. So it, like, circles back around. Like, I've always, as a little girl, felt like this, like, stompingness to my birth mother and, like, not stomping. You know what I mean? Just, like, I feel like this li- I feel like a little girl around her and I don't ever feel like I can speak my truth. Mm. And she showed up at my house the day before my birthday when my husband was outside and with his crew. And Did I, she, have you ever like seen her there at your house before no never she's never been to my new house so she creepily stalked me and just showed up and i was thinking of you (laughs) so you shared your (laughs) memoir about how your birth mom just showed up at your house you're like what the what the fuck are you doing here like you're not invited and you don't even know how they know yeah like how did you get here you like stalker (laughs) you know and it was a huge trigger and my husband was outside working with his whole crew and that was a trigger like oh here you are to just cause drama and ruckus and I decided after I was pissed I decided I was going to be 100% authentic and vulnerable and I literally for the first time in 38 years said exactly how I felt from my heart and I mean there was maybe some anger that kept coming up but it was just like this heart just almost like divine moment of just like saying every fucking thing I've always wanted to say to her like all of the pain everything and even just saying like you're not welcome here and I do better with you when you're not in my life and I called her by her first name and of course she tries to shame me and point her finger at me like a little girl like I am your mother Mm -hmm. and I for the first time stood up which I've written about it in my memoir so kind of tying into the whole healing and writing yeah about how a mom doesn't just get that title to me like I don't just call you mom because you birthed me yes I'm grateful for that but I really believe that our souls make contracts with people right to be our parents right like I don't know if you believe in that but I believe in that it's yeah I think I don't know if I I don't know what I believe I'm open to that being true and I'm open to other things being true but I do believe that we have so many lessons to learn and sometimes each person that comes to our life, whether they're they're there for a reason and and for a season. Yeah, so or a lifetime. Right? They might have just been there to birth you and then that was your season with that person and it's time to move on. Or they were there to raise you up to a certain point, but then yeah, there's times when it's okay to just let let it go because it's no longer serving you. Well and especially I even spoke to her. It's like, I'm really big into how I feel around people and the energy. I'm very sensitive to people's energy. And I feel drained when I'm around her. I feel gross. I have tummy aches. I have anxiety. And I said that to her for the first time in my life. Like, I don't feel good around you. And I've never felt better in my whole life. Like, how freeing is that? And it was like my little inner child was like standing up to her like, (laughs) and it felt it was so fucking healing. Like, I can't even tell you. And I just, have you ever done that? Just, like, spoken what you actually thought? I don't think I, I mean, I do with my husband and my sisters, but not to her. Like, I'd never done that to her. And it yeah. just was, like, this huge wave of relief. And it was my birthday. And I was like, that was the best birthday present I could have ever given myself. Like, this emotional release of just, like, saying all of the hard things and yucky things. And it was that's awesome well <laughs> happy, happy birthday huh? Thank you. happy birthday to happy yourself. birthday it's great yeah it does feel good i've had the opportunity a few times in my life to just say something like to someone that really hurt me and tell them how it really felt and what they really did to me and how big it affected me and it felt fucking amazing right 
just being able to speak my truth. And it took me a long time to get to that point. But when I did, it was like, oh, I love it. And, you know, not to hurt or be mean about it, but just to be like honest. And that's speak the thing. Truth yes. with kindness, you know. And that's the thing is it's like the truth does hurt sometimes, but we have been hurt and had a lot of pain in our lives. And I think that's why writing is so powerful. But writing, you're hiding behind your screen. And But don't you even feel sometimes yeah. when you're writing, you're like, oh, God, what if they read this? Like, what if she read this? Or what if, oh, like yeah. that. But, but it is a possibility because you're putting it out in the world. Yeah. And that's where that vulnerability comes in, too. Because yes. no matter what you write, unless you keep it hidden on your computer or in your journal, which I've certainly got lots and lots of that stuff, too. We do, yeah. But it's the stuff you choose to put out there, you know, like it's going to be... It could be read by anyone, and there's a vulnerability in that, especially you and I. We both have our editor scheduled next month. <laughs> That's so scary. And what is the, your scheduled for? After yours, whenever. Is it is. the end of July or is it? The end? End. Okay. Yeah. That's so exciting. And so, like, which we've feels got like forever. One month is going to be super fast. Think of like a month I ago. Know. So. Along with that, there's this vulnerability of like, oh, that book is gonna is gonna be out in the world soon. I and know, and exciting I, as fuck. <laughs> I liken it almost to this process, like have you and I have both had babies and given birth, and so you know from that moment that you know you're gonna have a baby until the moment you actually have a baby, you have nine months to prepare for that and be like, okay, this is vulnerable, this is real, this is happening. Um, so in a way, it's like getting the book ready for publishing is like that nine months of gestation or so yeah it's been longer but i know right? you're like okay so this baby's finally about to be birthed into the world and it's scary as all hell you it know? is scary and exciting and exciting it is all of those things and then it's like there's also all of these tasks that we we still need to do so we have our book to the editor and then our next step is going to be what interior design i need to do a cover design you oh, have you a cover. beautiful one and then yeah interior design proofreading and then the final Kind of just the final putting together. The final shibamalama. And the publishing. Well, we need to still, like, we're figuring out our platforms of where we're going to be publishing. Yeah. And we were talking about how that would be a great podcast episode about if just, you want to write a book, like, where do you start? And then if you want to publish a book, how do you do it? How do you do it? Because we are still figuring it out. Yeah. So you guys, yeah, we're we'll doing it. have to listen in while we slowly figure this process out ourselves. Yeah, and it's it's happening. And I was thinking of, like, Oh God, it's taking, it's going to take forever. But this time, time always passes. I, I think of like all of the times I've submitted my work to like literary agents or publishing houses. And it's usually a, anywhere from a four to an eight week response. And I kind of have that same oh, mindset. Yeah. Like you just have to wait. And I always think that time is going to pass anyways. And, but this time I don't have to wait for someone to accept me or reject me. And same with you. Like we are, we're choosing to just put our stuff out in the world yeah with the help of like well, making sure it's quality work and yes. you know Not having editors crap. looking at it and making sure with us but believing that it is like ready to be published and Are i'm excited like i mean yes i yours is ready. yeah no but i, I mean, feel like it i literally i have like this itch and i'm like working on my memoir too and so i'm kind of like Okay, my baby, this baby, is being taken care of and, like, babysat by our editor right now, which it's not yet, but it's going it to be. It will be, be yes. Yeah, and then I'm ready to, like, finish writing my memoir, but it is, it's hard. Like, I get physical pain and responses from, like, because you literally summon up the experiences, and it, it hurts. It's it can hard. Be painful, yeah. It can be, Reliving but then it's it. also... After I write that stuff, and what whether if I get like uh, sometimes I get like this burning in my solar plexus, and I I do Reiki, so I can feel like I can allow myself to move, and I can feel like it's old energy and old emotions, but sometimes it's like way deep in the pit of my gut. The thing is too, and I think about this: if I didn't write that, like it would those emotions would still be living <sighs> somewhere inside of my gut, somewhere inside of my mind, the like I'm still. The deep dark files or whatever, yes. but they're still there. You know, like we don't forget our some piece of our brains remembers everything. Yes, and we just don't access to it like all the time. But I know it's there because as soon as you get like a whiff of some familiar scent, right, it or a, a trigger, right, it's like 
bam, there it is, just like yesterday. And the emotions, too, that come with it can be so real. And you realize, like, oh, how much are we stuffing down? So much we're stuffing and down. And so, so writing much. and healing, that feels like that's that's the link between those two. A huge part is just getting it out of your soul, getting it out onto somewhere you can look at it objectively and be like, okay, that was that is part of my story. And... It's just a piece of it, you know, yeah. and I can use it to inform who I am now. I can use it to grow and learn, but it doesn't have to be stuck in there, like right. making me feel bad constantly or whatever. Well, even I know a lot of people, like I have an aunt who has a lot of pain and I, she, I asked her to be one of my alpha readers and she has a huge resistance to doing work on herself and she just struggles with it and I told her about my book and she's like, I can't write that stuff down because I have like journal journeys and self-care practices. And she's like saying to me, I can't do that. What if someone sees it? Mm-mm. So I think that a big part of writing your stuff is this, you have to let go of that judgment piece and that concern of what will they think? Or, oh my gosh, yeah. what if someone finds out my deep, dark secrets? Well, and I will say this too, because I was in a relationship where I wanted to write things down and I felt like, they were going to snoop and find, you know, if I was writing my feelings about them out or yeah, whatever. Yes. And I found there are several ways you could do this, people. If you really feel like privacy is an issue, um, you can do it as, like, drafts on your email account and just don't put to anyone so you don't accidentally send anything um, or make it, you know, you don't have to fill in the to thing. Mm-hmm. And just keep, like, blog, keep almost journaling as dates in the titles, and you can just keep it there as you, in your drafts mm-hmm. folder. So that's one idea if you have a private email Or maybe, account. like, a secret Google Doc or something yeah, you can Yeah, you create. could keep a coo- You can but be, like, also, name it tree. <laughs> yes, I've done that, too. Starfish. I had it, and the first paragraph was something totally different than the rest of it. And totally, so private. someone will be like, oh, and move along. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. something about trees. Yeah. Or... There are actual online journals that have passwords. You can download the apps to your phone. And I don't know, like, the names of them or anything, but you can Google, like, you know, journal with password or whatever, and you literally have to sign in every time with your own secret password Mm -hmm. or your fingerprint. And so it is literally just you that sees the content. So just to say that there are private platforms Mm -hmm. to journal and... Or even you could do the old school, like get yourself a journal with a key. I know. I always felt like those were so easy to break into. They are so easy. It's like someone you has to use. You like a pen. Yes. Yeah. Or if like you have someone who's Bobby enough, pins. they're going to break open your journal. Exactly. And like cut it open. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand. Or hide it under the mattress. The privacy issues, for sure. I can, I can see that because it does take, I mean, it's taken me 30 freaking, however, it was like 30, it took me 34 years of my life to be able to get to a place where I felt like I have to write this out because if I don't I'm going to explode right <laughs> like I need to get this out have you ever had anyone read like private journals that you thought maybe it wasn't I their have. place to read I don't know if I have have you uh, yeah it's happened to me before yeah like parents reading your journals mm, yes one time <laughs> it's funny you say that I um, wrote in my private journal, I scrawled in giant letters, I hate my mom, like in big, bold letters. Yes. Because she and I did not get along, and uh, she had done something, I just, you know, I was mad at her, and I wrote out, I hate my mom in big, and it was my journal, you know, fucking A. Yeah, don't get in my space. she read it, because she was one of those moms that would snoop through everything, and we knew that, like, we would hide stuff all the time, because we knew, like... Nothing was There's sacred, no but there was some part of me that thought she would respect my journal. I don't know why, you know. Because you always give you the just give someone some credit. Of the doubt. Yeah. So later, I that day I came across and found her crying on the back porch, and I'm like, you know, compassionate. What's wrong? Are you okay? And she's like, Do you hate me? And I'm like, Oh, she read my journal. And that's when you're like, No. Yes. <laughs> And then, you know, I sat down and comforted her and told her that, yeah, I was pissed off when I wrote it because I was mad. And, you know, just I was always her emotional caretaker, even when she would lash out at me on the off times when and I was that off was duty. Such a, like, what a guilt trip. Yes. You're like, why am I being guilted now I'm for expressing you? My, yeah, I hate you yes. because you paddled the shit out of me with the three foot. What, yeah. what are those you things? can use manipulation and fear yes. and guilt and yeah, you know you, you're never honest you but s- trap me in this fucking house all the time like, but i still love her and try yeah. to comfort her when she's sad and you know that's just i feel like 
partly why I fell into the role of caretaker and people pleaser as a grown-up was that I had that role as a kid. Yeah. You know, yes. to jump in and, like, rescue people, especially mm-hmm. my mom. Even when she was a bitchy witch the other times. Like, oh, but you're hurt, you're sad, I'm here for you, right? Mm. And um, and the healing part of, for me, writing that memoir is it was so healing because I was holding on to all those memories and holding on to all those truths without really looking at them, but just holding them. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote those things out, it was like, Letting yes. it go, like just breathing it out, and like, oh, I can let that go now. And it's just because you're writing it, it's not forever, like, deleted from your memory bank. It's just the power that it, like, holds over us inside is not as strong. And sometimes you can really just release. Yeah. Like, you can release such a painful experience. Like, Well, in a way, even though this sounds weird, I feel like the page is holding the space, the memory, and the hurt a little bit for me Mm. I don't like I have a I have a it's like instead of it all being on me yeah it's like there's a friend there to hold some of that weight with me it's this I put it on a piece of paper it's like the writing is like holding space for you like that's your healing conduit it's just like here like I always like to imagine like a basket or maybe Mm -hmm. like arms wrapping around it yeah that's so true I love that it's just like you're holding space, like, mm-hmm, get yeah, it out. like a basket to put those, I like those that. heavy stones that you've been carrying. Yeah, in and, just and you're like, ooh, they're not gone, but they're there. But it does feel lighter, and it's it's yeah. interesting. I, in my memoir, I write about my birth with Junie, which had this really traumatizing mm. birth, and like almost died um, in C-section, and like had this like weird outer body experience, and but I never could share her birth without. I would bawl my eyes out. Like, it was so emotional. And I would literally re-come back in that moment. And I remember being in a birthing circle when I was pregnant with Milo. So it was really only two years, two and a half years later. And I was, we were supposed to sit around and share a birth story. I couldn't even share my birth story. Mm-hmm. And then it happened again four years later at Jack's because um, I did home birth. And we had these lovely little birth circles, like meeting other mommies that were pregnant same thing. I was just, like, I couldn't even say the story. And I, I've written it several times and just fine-tuned it. And I can read it, and it makes me cry. But I can talk about it, and I feel, I feel more grounded, and I feel I have more healing when it comes to that traumatic birth. Now. Like that, I, now. now that you've like, I can it, talk yeah. about it. Like, I still get fucking pissed when I, you know, like, go back and, like, read, oh, the midwife's said oh you could have labored for four more hours before you had to have this emergency quote-unquote c-section that pisses me off but I feel I feel better about it you know like I don't feel as trapped by that experience because that experience was like this vice grip just like squeezing the life out of me for many years almost five years I literally let it control me and because the first time Rex brought Junie to me, I literally, like, died and came back to my body. And I, like, saw this silhouette with this person with a baby. And I was like, what is that? And then it was Rex, and he brought her in front of me. And he said, here she is, Shelly. And I said, take her away from me. And that was the first thing that I said to my daughter. And then I literally replayed that in my mind over and over. And I had so much guilt. Mm. But it was like, I died. And I was like suffering and I was it was awful and I was emotional wreck and I was drugged out and then I literally got addicted to oxytocin but all the I don't even know all the drugs Percocet Vicodin for six weeks I was like addicted and I literally like called like a drug addict like I need my medication my like and I had so much pain but I had so much emotional pain too Mm. and those drugs can be numbing for both kinds of pain yeah and it was but here I am today and I I've really fine-tuned that it's a chapter in my book called, it's like birth, life, and death. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was this, it's very intense scene. I call it scene, but chapter in my book. But it was, it's so also like, huh, like I wrote that and like you were saying, like it's, I do feel lighter and I, I can talk about it without just sobbing and you can't even understand. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. And that's really uh, like I wrote out, the first part of my next, like, chap, you know, memoir, but the first few chapters I've already written, and the first chapter is the birth of my daughter, who I gave up for adoption, and that also, like you, so it was vulnerable. so vulnerable and so emotional, and that 
like writing it out the experience I still cry every time I go through and read it and edit it like I still cry because it's so real to me but it just like it used to be a pain that I couldn't face it used to be and I wrote a song too about it um and it talks about it as in like hello grief I see you knocking at my door you know it's been 11 years yeah. And I think I'm finally ready to let you in and have this conversation, mm. you know, just talk. Yes. And it's, that's a grief that doesn't go away, but you get comfortable with it. You grow around it. You, like, yeah. make that part of your life. Yeah. And I think that through writing this song, through writing this memoir, and those are the ways that we process that pain, you know. And maybe other people will experience that or with you or, and feel that like, oh, I've been through, yeah. like, this is a common experience for people and it's okay to write about it. Yes. It's okay to put it out there and be vulnerable, you know? Yes. Well, and the more vulnerable I feel like we can be, the more it's like we're showing the way. Right. And don't you feel like that? Like when you read books that are just so real, like Dorje's book, it's like, that is her whole heart out there. And it just really, it gives, I know for me, it gives me permission as a writer to like, Right. Say the hard, yucky things. And I even started like writing about when I was like naughty, <laughs> like and doing a lot of drugs. And you actually encouraged me like in my early 20s, like from like 18 to 22, I got into a really dark spot and I was smoking weed every day and drinking every day and smoking two packs of cigarettes. And then we got into cocaine and it was this dark spiral. And I have so much shame about it. But I'm like, looking back now, I'm like, that's not who I am. That was part of my experience. And I, I had to go through all of that shit. And I had to numb all of my emotions then. That was yeah. part of my journey at that time. And being, yeah, and being willing to grow out of and being willing to examine, like, what is going on? Am yeah. I running from something? Or, you know, just showing up, that's that act of vulnerability to yourself is showing up and saying like I'm going to be honest with myself about what's happening here and even, even if, if it's it, ugly as shit <laughs> exactly even if it fucking hurts yes and even if I don't appreciate that viewpoint of myself um I'm just going to show up and look and see right and like writing each piece it's like when you you know in the memoir it's like writing each piece it's like it has its own strength it's like these little girl sides of yourself and then teenage and then young adult right it's like ah every single piece up until today it's it's crazy and kind of hard to piece together do you feel like sometimes it's like okay which memories do I want to keep in there and then right and then now I think of all these things where I'm like oh should I include that or should I not is it part like it's so hard to decide what's essential and for me I had to really think of it like um, you know, a memoir is just literally a selection of memories. Right. And you select the ones that tell the story in the way that you need that story to be out there. And yes. And even if it's scattered, because think of the mind. The mind is so scattered. Mm-hmm. Like, I've literally been driving. I'm sure you've had this experience, too. And all of a sudden, a weird old memory came up. And I was like, oh, my. What the? Like, I that I hid deep. And this was when I first started writing my memoir over a year ago. And I had this, like... It was literally like a puzzle piece that I had lost for the last 20 years that just like came together. Mm-hmm. And then I put it in my memoir and I was like, holy shit, I didn't even remember that piece of the puzzle. Right. But because I like, it's like I was dusting off the cobwebs and I've been having the intention to remember my memories because I literally have put this black hole over my childhood. Uh, like I really did. It was just like, boom, nope. Like yeah. block, 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 which is so bad for your root chakra. And <laughs> we are incredibly good at blocking out things. It's yeah, like crazy. It's I think like, what am I blocking that I don't even know I'm blocking? Probably <laughs> a lot. That's why like stuff Probably like energy lot. work is really awesome. Because even if you don't know that you're blocking it, it's energy, still you can move it. You can be like, oh through. yeah, yes. oh, pull that. Oh, that yep. has a giant like root wrapping around every part of your body. Right? Totally. I lost my train of thought there. I had this like thought process on vulnerability writing it's so much and it's hard like know that if you're out there and you have that desire to write that we've said it a million times and we'll say it again that your story matters and it's so unique to you and even like our stories are so unique to us yeah everyone has something that's interesting yes to say and that other people 
will find interesting to read, like honestly. Well, and even like in, if you haven't listened to our book club with Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, go and listen to that after this. It's super good. But how she just talks about how everything has already been done, but it's not been done by you. It hasn't been done mm-hmm. by me. And Sarah was actually saying a while ago, I don't know when it was, but how we are in such a great time for memoirs and these like rising memoirists, like educated by Tara Westover, which we did a book club on that too. Yeah. Like it's, it's popping right now. You know? it's, it's just getting to be a more popular genre. I think. Yeah. And people are just being more vulnerable and people are saying the shit and people are really liking it. You know, people are really liking to connect to people and feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Right. And feeling like that. I'm not alone. and feeling like I'm a bad parent or I'm not alone and feeling like a wounded little girl as a 38 year old woman, you know? Right. And I do think like there, everything has its times. Like there was a time when I think fiction and sci-fi were really big and people, it was just the popular thing. But, right. and at this moment, it feels like everyone's sort of swinging towards like, you know, uh, nonfiction and memoirs and just more like factually based. I don't know. Like which, self-helpy. Yeah. And it just depends. There's such a, I feel like there's such a market though for everything. There is. There it's are huge. still those like sci-fi dorkies that love that and I'm a dork too so I'm not like I just I know I never got into the sci-fi thing I never got into sci-fi lots of people that are including my son so I know my brother-in-law actually they're coming out to visit us from Missouri and he's like a high school English teacher and he's been writing a sci-fi novel for many years and he he I think he has a blog that he sci like he loves it and it's just his jam man I mean it. it would be kind of fun like just thinking like of writing in different styles, like to try to write something like a short story like, that's I in sci-fi. This? Just because you could practice. make up the rules and the laws of the universe, like you could make everything up if you wanted. Like people awesome. could really fly, and you know. I mean, think of like Star Wars. And it's funny we're saying this because I have been getting into my old books with my kids. Like um, I've written a lot of middle grade fictions. I've written four of them and they're full books and they're really good I, I'm probably going to publish one next because yeah. I feel like it'll be like my carefree like I'm going to take a little break and then I'll do my memoir because it's a lot but they are and we can listen to them like through that Microsoft office mm, right? you can play it and yeah. it voice reads to you but I created these characters I made this huge story and it was so fun and I literally just made it and I made it all up and my kids are like mom this isn't exactly like me because it's my kids' names. I'm like, no, it's a story that I created off of your character, but it literally has like all these like plot arches and things that come together. And there, I did that. I'm like, that's, and it was fun. Yeah. And it was carefree and it wasn't as like, because memoir writing can be really heavy. And you want to be like faithful to the truth and you don't want to, like you rethink and overthink probably everything yes. as it goes into it. So it's okay to, and even in that Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks about like some really amazing authors who hit it big and then just disappeared. And she says how it would be awesome if you, what if you just wrote like a children's picture book or a little middle grade fiction? Or what if you, you know, what if you just wrote a little something that was just like to keep you in the writing realm until whatever the next big idea or creative expression washes over you right just keep creating keep creating and sometimes it's through vulnerability or sometimes it's just maybe through like this fun and creative and curious part of yourself where you're like "Ooh, this would be a fun story like oh yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can write that out yeah and it's surprising too because oftentimes when we think we're making up characters or making up storylines we're actually drawing from our own experiences and in surprising ways we're solving you know almost like in a dream where we don't realize the storylines are are solving problems that we can't solve in our normal like true like logical brain self and it's like we our visual brain puts those problems into like some kind of a storyline and then works it all out and you're like oh that's how that's supposed to go. Yeah, right. Oh, I, I know this way better than I thought that I did. Yeah. That's that, like, inner wisdom, that inner knowingness that we all have just, like, really seated with inside of our, our body that most of us push away and think of, oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know that. It's like, you actually really know. Yeah. Like, deep, deep, deep down at, like, Your a soul intuition. level. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Two different chakras for that. It's, like, the solar plexus, which is, like, the rib cage area, and the intuition is the third eye. That are like these really powerful 
chakras that we close off an important energy piece okay let's move energy from that space and keep those open because we do we have that wisdom inside of us and then like getting out and just writing it out it can it can be hard to get started at first I feel like that's the hardest part is staring I believe that opening up your blank page or opening up your blank journal or whatever it is you and you're like oh what do I do what do I and so like do you have any ideas or suggestions I thought you could just like like what do you do when you just stare at a dink blank page I just write what I'm like how I'm feeling in that moment uh, I'm feeling bored I'm staring at a tree and I'm feeling hot just, <laughs> just saying yeah I would maybe just, or even just what if you just wrote your inner dialogue like what is your inner voice saying yeah. like I can't write this is too hard I'm so scared I can't fucking write my story what if people judge me what if you literally just wrote down that inner monologue and then if there was a blank maybe you could just like have a cup like I have my cup of tea maybe you could describe the cup of tea in front of you like oh the outside edges are coming in at an angle you know what do you have I mean yeah I think that's a great one and then just like you said, writing whatever's in pops into your brain, even if it makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't have to make like, sense. Like, have you ever heard of that book, um, The Artist's Way? No. It's like this pretty well-known, I would say. The Artist's Way or The yeah, Artist's Way? Art, the Artist's Way. Let me look up and see, just so I don't lead people wrong. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Oh. And so she has this thing called, which I love, I did it for a while, called The Morning Pages. And one of her practices that she has, that she has you start in the beginning and do all through the book, is you wake up in the morning and you vow to write out, like, either for a certain amount of time or a certain number of pages. I, I don't know if she says specifically, but whatever, just like the vomit of the brain, like, whatever comes out, like, and it might make no sense. And I've gone back and read some of mine and been like, oh, that's awesome. And other times I'm like, oh, that's, that's weird. Awful. <laughs> An awful. Or I was in a weird spot. <laughs> yes. Um, but her premise is that it just gets all that out of you like you've got this like Garbage. almost like clog clog in your pipes and you got to yes. get all that like bleh out first and then you can get to the good stuff well and that's really powerful too because those first hours of waking first four hours is when we're the most creative yeah. so that's where i highly recommend for anyone like stay off of your phone for at least that first hour and i know a lot of people will hate me for saying that like oh god i have to check my post blah, 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 blah. At least, please, just, like, give yourself that sacred, at least 30 minutes, but an hour, like, don't look at your phone. Put your phone away, and if you are, like, on a writing path, like, instead of, like, jumping for that dopamine hit, which we get from our phone and all of the bananas attached to it, like, reach for your journal. And that's why I think journal or, like, try to, like, Sarah's, you know, like, you have so many tabs, that's why, first thing in the morning, I mean, mine is the same way, I get tabs, but it's like, if you go first thing in the morning, and you have 20 tabs, you're gonna still be distracted, or if you can be like, I'm focused, I'm going straight to Google Docs, like, I I keep mine down here at the bottom of my screen, so I'm like, I can go straight into my Word document, and I won't be distracted by the The things, notifications, and all the shit, Right. stay off your phone, that's some good for advice. Your mental health. Do something creative. And if you have kids, that can be hard because it can be. I can't predict when my daughter wakes up, so I might get well, you fit an in. hour or two or zero. Right. I don't even know. Sometimes she wakes fit me in. up. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so I have found, though, like, you know, Cedar's like this, too. It's like when you're sitting and doing things like writing or reading or painting, my kids are more apt to come up and join me. And they're like, yeah. oh, mom, I'm going to write a book today. I'm going to draw pictures Oh yeah. versus, you know, she if copies. I'm on my phone, they're going to be like, oh, mom, can I watch a movie? That's oh, exactly. mom, can I play a video game? No. exactly what I noticed. Like, if I'm on my phone, of just course. randomly, she'll be like, I want to watch a movie. I want to watch a movie. A I want to watch a movie. They're I want to play a video game. Like, constantly. And then you're like, or she'll fine. Like, when am I old enough to get a phone? <laughs> never. I told my kids 16, and everyone may think I'm psycho, but I am not. I am not. Like, yeah. think of, like, Bill Gates doesn't let his kids oh, have gosh. those devices because he it's knows so how bad toxic for them. they are. Yeah. And so, but the other day I was sitting out on the porch reading um, The Art of Memoir, oh, which so I'm good. seriously I'm trying to finish. Car. I'm trying to finish your book and that book, and uh, I keep getting distracted. Don't try, just do. You are. I know. You're but I'm, you know, these are just my li- list of things list. Yes. that I get distracted by. But anyway, she saw me reading, and she goes, I'm going to go read my book. <laughs> she went and got a book and sat out there and, like, like yes I need to show her this and then when I was reading 
um, Sarah Moneris's book, she kept asking me all these questions about it, like, what are you reading? Well, who wrote that? And show me. And I was like, well, I'm going to interview this lady, you know, and she wrote this book, so I'm reading it. And yeah. she asked me like a million questions. And that was when she decided to start writing her book. And love she and kept, peace. yeah, love, love and peace. peace. And she kept, and she's still writing it. She's over halfway there. She's adorable. I love this girl. And so, and she would run back, like when she got to the end of a chapter, she didn't know what to do. So she'd run over to Sarah Moneris's book, looking in and finding out. And she would look to see how she would end a chapter and begin a new one. And there was like a little design, so she I saw copied that. the little design and everything. Right. I was like, look, we are having an influence every so time. Heavily. Whatever we do, we have an influence. Like we could choose if the influence is great and positive or if the influence is like negative and going in the wrong direction. Especially like, when it comes to parenting and our children. Yeah. There's, I mean, they are so heavily influenced. Like it's yeah. crazy. And by healing and writing and doing it all together, we're showing them that process too of like, look, A, you can write, you can heal through writing. And look, here's me healing in front of you. Right. You know, I have a lot of healing to do and I'm really honest and, I'm not perfect. and vulnerable with my kids. Like I'll, she'll say to me, my six-year-old daughter, Cedar, she'll say, you're a perfect mommy. And I'm like, honey, no, <laughs> yeah. I am so far from perfect. I make mistakes constantly, even yeah. now yeah. as a grown up. I make mistakes every single day. Like, honestly, I do. And I own up to them. I'm like, that was a mistake. And here's where I did something I'm sorry, wrong. I'm being a bad mom today. Yeah. Yelling at everyone. I yelled at you. And right. and she, like, writes. It's so funny because she, like, writes about it. She wrote this chapter in her book about me. Mom yelling. Yeah. Yes. And she was like, she's the best mom for me. She yells sometimes, but she's doing the best that she can. And she will not stop being a good mom. And, like... Uh -oh. I'm like, I love it. She knows, like, it's okay to be vulnerable. Uh, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to make a mistake. And that's, yeah. if I could give her, even if that's the only thing I teach right. her, you know, like, that's enough. It is. It's funny. I was listening to my memoir, like, re-listening to it so I could, like, see where I was. And I literally write in this chapter, and it's really hard to even say, but I, like, Milo and I got into a huge fight, and I just swatted him in the cheek. And I wrote about it, and I and I was like, oh, God, am I not supposed to write this? I'm going to have to Child Protective Services. I'm a child abuser and all these thoughts. And then, but the whole process of me writing about it was that I, like, felt like shit that I did it. But I had one of those crazy mom moments. Yeah. And then I went into his room, and he's, like, hiding with his blanket over his head. And I'm like, Milo, I'm so sorry that I swatted you in the face. That was horrible. Like, I feel like a shitty mom. And, like... My birth mom used to slap me all the time, and I always vowed, like, I will never do that because I fucking know how bad it sucks, and it hurts, yeah. and it hurts your feelings, and it makes you feel like a terrible human. And it was probably, like, 15 minutes where it took me to, like, coax him out and, you know, tell him, like, I'm sorry that I did that. Like, I made a mistake, and I said, you know, will you forgive me? And, of course, he wouldn't at first. He was like, no, Mom, <laughs> of course. that hurt. You're so mean. Oh. And, you know, I just sat and I talked to him about what had happened and, like, why I freaked out. Like, that I freaked out because I wasn't able to control my emotions. And yeah. I'm sorry that I flew off the hook and I let myself, like, be a crazy person. And, like, I'm not a good person for that. And I called myself out and I, this whole, it was like this whole, thing of like growth and then he finally sat up and nuzzled his head into my armpit and was like it's okay mom we all make mistakes and I was like oh so thank you for being like such a good human and it was like hard it's hard to like admit when you fuck up with your kids yeah. and when you have those moments like like and why did I just that. like why did I do that bad hand like why did you do that like right it's you like have this... that perception of like I will not make like especially when you and I like we have these standards for ourselves that we think yes like I would never do that be I would never act like my birth mom ever totally. but then I find myself subconsciously I'll do things like her and I'm like oh my gosh like that's still like seated inside of me yeah or I'll find myself in moments where my kids will be doing something and I will like weirdly try to guilt them or I'll do it to, to Rex and I'm like I that's not who I am like that's not what I'm about but it comes out and I I notice it and then I have to be like okay like is this like what I do I really want to guilt this person because it's really guilting me too right it's that part of the brain that can't differentiate between saying something and then absorbing it 
So it's, it's interesting and to know that no matter where you are in life, like we're all not perfect and we all fuck up and right. have shitty moments of parenting or friending or white. And then having sister. to be facing it, be like, yes. do I face it or do I run from it? Because those right. are the choices, right? And right. I remember having, I went through a really rough period, like at the end of this last marriage and things just felt completely out of control. And I think because of me feeling completely out of control in certain areas of my life. I was trying to lock down on control in other areas, yeah, of course. right? We all do. And that. I think, yes. and um, my son was like having this really hard time. And I sat down and sat with him and talked to him. And I was like, what is wrong? You know, what's happening? And he finally was like, you don't want to know the truth. I was like, no, I really do. Please tell me. And he me. says, well, I think you're really controlling. It, it was like, oh, ouch. It was so hard to hear. And I, I get like that. Instead of, instead of like defending myself or coming back with reasons, I listened and I said, I'm really sorry. Like, I think I have been really controlling in certain areas. And I explained like, it was so hard to hear. It was so hard to say to your like, I I think he was 14. Yeah. And be like, you know, I realized that I've been more controlling than I needed to be. Because you're trying to get, I'm trying to make up for like the lack of control, but that doesn't mean it needed to be out on you. And I'm so sorry. And thank you for telling me. How old was he? He was like 14. Oh my gosh. Good job. And so it was like just one of those moments where it was like, I felt everything inside of me, like wanting to be right and wanting to be the, be like, I'm not controlling my mother. dare you? Right. I am your elder. But it was like, wait, he actually felt like safe to say safe enough to come to me and tell me that and that in by itself like the fact that he could do that and i could show up and listen that's healing like it's healing right because that didn't happen to me and my parents they wouldn't they was like defending their rightness to the very end like never will you question my authority never will you call me wrong never will you call me this or that right just believe i'm always right and so it's like you know to have the kind of relationship where your kids can say you were wrong, you hurt me, yes. and you be like, "I'm sorry." I did fuck up. I like I said. I literally say that to my law. I'm sorry. I fucked up. I yeah. do have some kids. Well, like I, mean, I did. It's just a word. I know it's it what is. you attach to it that That's matters. What I've, I've told yeah. my kids too. I'm like, I'm okay like for self expression of words, but I'm not okay with like name calling. It's when you use the words to hurt people. Yes. That's when I... That's when I'm like, oh, wait, now the cussing privilege is, like, gone. Yep. But I would be okay with him, like, not calling me a name, but being like, you did fuck up, Mom. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. But don't just use it excessively. (laughs) Yes, totally, totally. But it is, it's hard. And even listening to that chapter in my memoir, and it's, like, very vulnerable to even share it on this microphone, like, I wanted to delete that. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want people to think that I'm, like, this horrible child beating mom I'm not a child beating mom I'm a mom who fucks up sometimes and who freaks out it's like sometimes I don't know what to do and Milo has came from this space of just so he's nine where he thought I was awesome and knew everything and now he is such a questioner and like a you don't know everything mom and everything I like he hates like I was telling Sarah I got um, an Alanis Morissette record for my birthday (laughs) from one of my sisters and it was from when I was like 12 like the jagged little pill and I put it on and I think it's is she alternative rock I think well now I don't know what she's I don't know I thought that's what it was and Milo was like this is not rock this is terrible and he's sitting (laughs) on the counter plugging his ears and I'm like screaming you ought to know <laughs> you know like yeah, yeah. and I remember it. it's funny how you just like remember all the words and he just like thinks I am just this like it makes me so sad yeah. I like want to like more and maybe I will cry for it like, he does and he's only nine and he gets oh, yeah. real sassy and talky back to me and so those are the moments where I'm like I'm out of, I feel like I'm out of control as a mom. Like I've lost control in my parenting realm because he questions me. But then I have to try to remember, I was a kid once who questioned the fuck out of everything. Yeah. It was it's like, part of being yeah, a right? kid. Yeah. And yeah. I have to, like, I can't control my kids how I did when they were little. And I feel like when they were toddlers, it was all about keeping them safe. Right. And now they know how to keep, for the most part, minus Jack. <laughs> They, like, know how to keep safe for the most part. And I actually wrote a blog about it last week about, what was it? I called it, like, my littles are big. And it's kind of like um, um, ways to be a conscious parent. And yeah. to, like, just check in of, like, noticing, like, oh, my God, my kids are not small. And the way I parent now has to be different than how I did when they were little babies. 
because it's way different, but I still find myself at nighttime, like, I have this huge, like, guilt about my kids not getting enough sleep, so I am, I am very controlling at bedtime, like, bad, and I notice it, and sometimes I can, like, let it go, but sometimes I'm like, I need my space, and you all have to go to bed, and it's this crazy, horrible habit that I've created that I'm noticing, yes. and I'm trying to choose. <laughs> it's so hard. It I is know. hard, but it is weird. Like, I find myself in these weird controlling situations with my kids or my husband, and I'm like, okay, well, where am I feeling, like, out of control in my life that I feel like I have to be such a psycho right now? Right? <laughs> and and what's what's the underlying, like, you know... There might be some underlying fear or worry or past thing from anxiety anxiety that comes up around that and you're not even aware of it. And, and that's so probably what it is. It's yeah. usually a chance to like go a little deeper and say, like, well, that's what my whole so I'm writing up the next blog. Um yes. which will come out on the same day that this comes out. Yes, on Um so it's like one in, like installment one on the three questions. Oh, I'm excited. And about so the this questions. is question one and then I'll put out question two and question three and then and which Later. Of the questions pertain to though, so our yes. listeners know. And so this one, question one, is um, like, what is really happening? What is actually happening right now in this moment? And so it's a way of like stopping and reframing our assumptions mm-hmm. and saying like, wait, like the thing that's happening might not be the thing that's that we think is happening is not really the thing, right? The reason we think this is going on, why is this really going on? It's not usually what we think. For that's one. Like maybe a moment to like pause and just like stop. Stop the assumptions. Yes. yes. Yeah. Stop the assumptions. Like what you think is happening may not actually be. And most likely real. is not. Most likely, 99% of the time, it's something else. And so, like, that's question one is just why is this actually happening? What is the big over? Like, is this for like to help people? What's yeah. Like so, the, the premise of it is like there's these three questions that you can ask yourself. Whenever you just feel like you don't know what to do, you know, you're in a difficult situation, you're not sure how to handle something, or you just feel unsure, like, ask yourself these three questions. And it's been like my moral compass, my guide, like just my little Jiminy Cricket sitting on my shoulder for the, ever since they came to me, like maybe 10 years ago. I love that. And I like how simple it is. It's just like when you don't know what to do. Yeah. Ask yourself these three questions. Mm. And so the first one is like, why is this actually happening? Like, what's really going on here? Mm. And oftentimes, it's you don't know, or it doesn't really matter. Just let it go. But the it's just a minute of, like, stop, rephrase. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing that one now. But I feel like it's so important to just always question our assumptions and question our reactions and look at it and be like, why? Why am I doing this? Is this, like, Wait, a is, bigger... Is this coming from me? Yeah. Right? Because a lot of time it's not, I feel like it's like a weird programming or something, you know, we've been trained to do and we just like, well, yeah. jump in the blame or the shame or the guilt or the blah, 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 blah. blah and blah, our blah. kids are programmed to question. They're programmed to go out on their own and try things and make mistakes. And we and as we parents have to allow, that. Have to allow it Which and accept so it and realize that that is part of their journey of growing up and it's not intended at us. It's not aimed right. at us. It's just, it's not personal. Most things aren't. It's just life, you well, know? And sometimes I just feel like I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Like, my daughter, she's going to be 12, and she's, like, getting boobs and, like, armpit hair and leg hair. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And then I have to stop and be like, yeah, I do. You were a little girl once. Right? And I really have a very open, open communication with her. She's so open, and my middle son is so close to me, but he's so open with his dad. And it, like, kills me. But I have to just be grateful for the relationship that I have with her. And she will literally tell me everything and anything and all things. And even when I fuck up and we, she has this huge attitude now and she'll yell at me and I'll yell at her. And then she'll be like, Mom, your ego is really big right now. You need to go outside and take a breath in her voice. Or she'll, recently she's been doing this thing where she'll scream at me and whatever she has in her hands she throws it at me, Yeesh. and I do not do well. Yeah. <laughs> I am like, <gasps> excuse me. No, you did not. And then I have to check myself. And be like, you know, I'm not doing this with you. Like, mm-mm. no, thank you, sister. Like, I'm gonna go outside before I freak out. Yeah, I can't do this. And you go, you do have to set down some boundaries. Like, I realized in I'm my triggered man, in my intent to please her, I had almost made myself like her little slave, my daughter. And every time she said, like, come over here, I would just 
go right there. I need you. Go right there. And finally, it was like so bad. It was like if I didn't respond immediately within seconds. That's not okay. She was throwing fits on the floor and temper tantrums. No and I was like, wait a second. This I said, is not healthy for anyone. I am not your dog. You don't say come and I come. Like, we have to have some boundaries here, sister. You know? And well, she I feel like you looked, get that, like, yeah. divorce parent, like, guilt. Oh, for I know, sure, I can, yeah. I, I know And I want to be everything. I get it. I see, I see it in lots of other people, too. And it's yeah. like, you have to know, like, you have to create that relationship. And it is yeah. whatever you make it, you know? And there's no guilt. Like, you are a really good mom. And you are very present mom like sometimes you. i feel like you're way more present than i am <laughs> I, well there do. is that like guilt piece well because she and, does that yeah i, that. I know and, and she, i have and to be like these... you know it's okay for like when we were at the campground like yeah actually it's okay for you to go play with your friends and for me to hang out with my friend and i don't need to have guilt or shame about that because also those kids have a great time when they're off exploring and you know they get into mischief or they get hurt sometimes yeah she's very possessive of me and my time and yeah and I finally had to reclaim some of that just recently and say look I love you I set aside time for you boundaries always yes I'm always going to set aside time for you and also you have to respect the times that I set aside for myself and if I if you really need me it's an emergency yes I'll be there of course right but if you if it's not an emergency and I'm really involved like with a school project or I'm in the middle writing. of a song or I'm writing, Playing, I yes. say, look, I will get there when I get there. I promise you. Like, yes. give me time to finish. And yeah. it's been like this hard but really good thing you because just have to keep doing it. I have to keep yeah I have to keep showing up for myself in every little thing and totally. say, look, here's my boundary. You know, because I'm a people pleaser, and when people ask for more, I just give more. You know, or they, or even if they don't ask, if they just need more, I'm like, and that's Here, where your questions sure. can come in. Yeah. You're like, okay, wait, why am I doing this? Right? Yes. Question, wait, what's happening here? What's why is this really happening? You yeah. know, am I obligated? Am I really obligated to do that? Like, no. Nope, I or am not. I like making up these weird, unrealistic expectations? Yeah. A perfect mom, and superhero. My, yeah. yeah, it's like, no, we're not perfect. We're never gonna be. Which brings us up to our next book club, The Gifts of Imperfection oh, by yes. Renee Brown, which, which I'm, will be soon. Is it next week or the week after? How, how far know, are Maybe you? wherever. Wherever it falls. I haven't listened to it, but I will probably listen. I'm going to listen to it, so I'll listen to it quickly. Yeah. So it we'll it get shouldn't take too long. So we'll do that one next. Yes. It, wait, either next podcast or the one after. And yes. I here. love that book. I might re-listen to it on because yeah. I have it on Audible. It's good, it's good to have a fresher And um, Yeah, it's just there's so many lessons, yummy ones in there about just what I love is instead of trying to be perfect or trying to just accept that you're imperfect, like love the imperfections, mm. see them as gifts because it's an opportunity to learn and grow and show up. And I've been trying to teach CJ this. And she said it just the other day. She goes, it's okay, mommy, because mistakes, that's how we learn. It's so like, good. Thank you. Yes. And that like cycles us all the way back to like vulnerability and like just being okay with exactly where you are, no matter how yucky it is or how on top of the world you're feeling that day or how like bored or in the middle you're feeling that being vulnerable is just showing up, man, as exactly as you are. Yeah. Imperfections, fuck ups, flaws. And the more oh. vulnerable we can be, the more we can write with that vulnerability. Yes. The more healing that can happen. And the more, and then, this is the wonderful thing about healing: is the more healing work that we do, the more it's a vibrational thing. So we're literally like helping heal the planet, or we're even just healing the people around us. Right. Like, by doing our work. Yes, by doing our work. Yeah. And we're healing. We're healing at these very deep levels. I agree. It's wonderful. So. Yes. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and listening today this was a great show yeah i enjoyed this it's a good conversation today. and and um we look forward to hearing from you guys if there's anything else you want to hear yes topic wise yes please please let us know and we love seeing all of the new listeners in different countries it lights us up it's so exciting just thinking about people overseas sitting picturing people with their headphones and listening to us it just oh i love it yeah it's really exciting there's that vulnerable but also like yes, super exciting aspect exciting. Yeah. so thank you so much we're so grateful for all of you listeners and sarah i'm and always thanks. forever grateful for you my beautiful soul sister oh i'm thankful for you and happy birthday belated but yeah, happy birthday thank you, my darling. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to voices rising press podcast we are so grateful for you and we hope you are gaining insightful content here 
please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. And you can read our blogs and follow us at VoicesRisingPress.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Voices Rising Press. Thanks for tuning in. We'll meet you back here next week. Thank you.